Welcome to Terminal Value. So everything I do here at Terminal Value is based around one big question, and that is how do growth-oriented people transform their business and their life to achieve world-class levels of value in everything they do? That is the question, and I am here to bring you the answers. My name is Doug Utberg, and this is Terminal Value. I publish new podcast episodes five times per week. So make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any content. And also make sure to follow me on social. You can just look for the Doug Utberg handle. Please comment and let me know your thoughts. I'm looking forward to working together so that we can make your life amazing. Welcome to the Terminal Value Podcast. We have Trent Clark with us today from leadershipity.com. That's L-E-A-D-E-R-S-H-I-P-I-T-Y.com. And we're going to be talking about the 15 mistakes leaders make that prevent them from reaching their full potential. And a lot of you are probably wondering, where did he come up with the number 15 from? And the answer is that there are 15 itties in Trent's pyramid of leadership that we're going to be discussing because what a lot of leaders will do, usually not consciously, but unconsciously, they will fail to fulfill these requirements of leaderships and really stop themselves short from being able to reach out and achieve all that they can be. So Trent, please introduce yourself. Doug, Trent Clark, how are you doing? Doing outstanding. All right. Thanks so, for having me. This is exciting. Hey, no, no problem at all. Well, let's just kick things off and talk about the 15 itties. Yeah. So quick background on me is I'm a serial entrepreneur. I'm a longtime coach in professional baseball, which is why most people know me as I coach for the Detroit Tigers. I coach for the Cleveland Indians. I coach for the Los Angeles Angels in the three World Series. So I got the big bling on today for that one. And so, you know, as I've coached a ton of organizations, I've noticed with leaders that we want a lot of things from them mm-hmm. and we have a lot of high expectations for our leaders. Unfortunately, you know, we're good at some of those things and not so good at other of those things, right? So we kind of broke that out into the pyramid of leadership to mm-hmm. talk about accountability for leaders for sure. And one thing I would note is that there should be high expectations on leaders because leaders, they're almost always the most highly compensated people. And the leaders at the highest level are compensating exceptionally well. And so, you know, as they say, right, with great power comes great responsibility. There should be high expectations for people who are in positions of leadership. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, and, you know, what I like to say about leadership is it should be earned, never given, right? But- We've seen that, how that's backfired in organizations before, right? Where it's, hey, let's get them up. Oh, they're going to be great. They really haven't earned it, but let's put them in a position, see how it works out. Yeah. Yeah, I find that to be a pretty backwards approach to thinking. And we do that based on popularity or looks or uh, degrees or whatever, you know, we're basing that on. And sometimes it's intelligence and all those are good things, except, you know, there's a holistic approach to leadership that I think is really important. Got it. Okay. Well, let's see. We've been keeping people waiting. Let's release the 15 itties and then start unpacking everything. Yeah. So let's talk about that first base. That first base is the first five. The first five base is so important because what happens is it's really based on morality and authority. So Mm -hmm. uh, morality and authority. So we have the cornerstone of integrity and then the other cornerstone of humility. And Obviously, if someone, you know, the opposite and the factor of a poor leader is someone without integrity, right? Who doesn't do what they say. I mean, it's a huge stopper for leaders and it can't really happen today. And yet 
it's a really tough thing that happens all the time. And we catch it on social media a lot. Sure. The humility side is probably something that people have gone away from. It's coming back because we're realizing like arrogance doesn't serve as a leader, even though confidence is always in season. Arrogance without the lack of humility is a problem for team members. The three other ones in that firm foundation are spirituality, stability, quality. You know, on a spirituality, I just think people having an engagement around something that's bigger than themselves, something further than that is really important. I really like that that's in there because one of the great myths that I consider a part of my life mission to dispel is this notion that there's a difference between your work life and your personal life. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I mean, that was a big thing in the 90s. I think a lot of that had to do with the whole Bill Clinton debacle. And, uh, yeah. you know, if any young people are listening, Google it, you'll, you'll read plenty, <laughs> you know, but there was this fiction that developed that, okay, well, you know, it doesn't matter if my personal life is a dumpster fire, as long as I do my job, well, that's all that matters. And what that means, if you have a big disconnect between the one or the two, or if you're keeping big skeletons in your closet in one or two of those areas, it is going to impact the other one eventually. That's you right. can only fake it for so long. Eventually the dam will break and it will be an enormous mess. And so the reason why I like that bottom layer of the pyramid is because it says you are a whole person and don't try to pretend that you aren't. Yeah. And, and can you imagine like faking eight, 10 hours a day, five, six days a week I mean, this is where you spend most of your waking hours. That's why a lot of us become entrepreneurs is because when you feel like you're faking for eight to 10 hours a day, five to six days a week, that's hard to maintain. That's right. So the other two, stability and quality. We know the lack of quality, what that looks like. And then you see someone who like, I like the current dumpster fire. When when people create a dumpster fire of a life and a lack of stability in their own lives and their own body and what they're doing in their finances or, you know, personal lives and stuff like that, we lose stability in that. We just can't have it as a foundation. Those five things are pretty critical. Got it. Okay. We've already covered five. Let's move up to the next layer of the pyramid. Second four are really, you know, we're talking about a firm foundation. We get those five, we build on that. And really the second four are really about the people that we want in our organization Mm -hmm. and the people we need to be as leaders. And this is really important with flexibility and reliability are kind of the mainstays of this section, because we're going to look at four and it's an acronym that I call CARD. And what I like to say Doug is, hey, if you and I are playing hand, you know, cards and I've got all the aces, I win. You know, like I like I like my chances. Yeah. So I want aces. And so the card that I want that is an ace for me is coachability. So important in today's environment where things changing so fast. It is absolutely essential that we have lifelong learners that are like, oh, well, I studied that in college 10 years ago. I don't need to do that anymore. Whoa, like things change, software changes, coachability is so important. The lack of coachability shows up in a, hey, yeah, but, yeah, but I don't need to do that. Yeah, but you guys should do that. I don't need to. Yeah, but my other coach says I don't have to do that. Yeah, but the other account manager says that's not the way we need to go. Yeah, Yeah, but I studied that five years ago and that's not the way we did it. The yeah, buts tend to be uncoachable. Adaptability is the second. And that's so critical right now. And someone who can pivot and roll with things that happen, but it's not just about rolling with it. It's really about building essential skills around you that you have something to adapt to. You know, I'm a baseball guy. So I use the example of a athlete who's a home run hitter. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they never work on bunting 
and all of a sudden it's the World Series and you need this player to bunt to move the runner over in the most important situation. Yet, you know, as a coaches, we didn't give them any of the skill set. We didn't practice that regularly. We didn't do that. And so we're like, oh, let's adapt now to something you should know. But yeah. I don't haven't really practiced it, right? So that's something that adaptability. We have to keep developing. Uh, I need to let my inner nerd show. And because, yeah, all of a sudden I'm thinking back to the early 90s movie, Mr. Baseball with Tom Selleck, where he plays the over-the-hill home run hitter. And then he ends up getting shipped off to Japan because he gets displaced by the young slugger. Then, you know, he's still trying to be a big shot over there. And at the very end, they end up winning the game because he does a sacrifice bunt. Yeah, adaptability, right? He had to learn how to be a team player and learn those essential skills that, of course, we're supposed to have, right? Aren't those supposed yeah. to be fundamental skills we learned? And of course, we do learn them. But if we don't practice them, it's hard for me to even yeah. ask you to adapt to something, Doug, that you haven't done for 10 years and go, sure. hey, why didn't you just pivot over? You did it back in 02. <laughs> like, wait, yeah. wait that's 20 years ago. Like, come on. Right. Responsibility, the R in the card, right? It is, is, hey, I will own that. I will is a big word of responsibility. Hey, we need someone to do this. I will. I will take that on. I am going to meet that expectation. So if I have someone who the coachability has it, the adaptability, the responsibility, and they do that again and again for us, Doug, we have that dependability now, right? Got it. So we have got that card. And if we see people that are good sometimes, but then sometimes they're not, and they're not dependable, like, oh, I would have done that. But, you know, last night there was a friend's marathon on and I couldn't stop watching. Like, wait, what? Like, so I can't count on you each and every yeah. time. Sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. That's not really going like, to show out too well. Well, and because I know one of the things that I've always struggled this way is that in this realm is that, so I'm not the kind of person who will, you know, I won't whiff on something because there was a friend's marathon. I will fall down on something because I tend to sign up for about two and a half times as much as I should reasonably be able yeah. to do. And so that's actually bit me in my corporate career because some people said, you know, we found that you're not very dependable. And I'm like, well, but I'm doing like two and a half people's worth of work. Yes. Well, dependability is very important. <laughs> and mm. so that's one of the things that I had to find is that you also have to discipline yourself because people will not take into account all the other stuff that you're doing. They'll only say, did this one thing that I'm focusing on get done? Yeah. I think there's a book that's called no is a great word, right? Yeah. And I like to tell people who overcommit and there's lots of leaders, right? That do yeah. it. Like we're like, Hey, I'll take on the world, baby. And you know, saying yes to everybody is saying no to someone. And typically in the leader world, that's significant other, my yeah. children, yeah. you know, like you name the things that are closest to your heart. And you're like going, Oh, wait a minute, man. Like I'm doing all this for who like to get yeah, right. ahead. Exactly. Or, yeah. So that dependability will strike you, even though your heart is in the right place. Like I want to take on more responsibility and help and be an adder here. It yeah. just backfires in that way sometimes. Got it. All right. Let's keep rolling. Yeah. Next level is really all about how that leader shows up. Oh, and the last one on the card. I yeah. like leaders to ask themselves, hey, are you a card? Ask yourself, am I a card? Am I showing out and modeling coachability, adaptability, responsibility, dependability? Hard to ask your teammates to do it when you're not doing it yourself. Yeah, exactly. So that next level is going to be how I present as a leader. And this really starts coming into how I interact. And, it, it, and it's our ability to create simplicity and clarity in our teams. And the three big ones are authenticity. Am I an authentic, genuine person? Like, do I do what I say, say what I do? 
can you trust that what I'm telling you is true? Or do I tell Doug one thing? And then with this person, I show out a whole nother way in a very disingenuous way. Mm -hmm. I mean, so that's going to be very important. Visibility is absolutely a critical factor for a leader, that consistent visibility of I'm here, I'm doing the work, I'm available to you. Those things become so important as a leader. And the opposite is, hey, things are running great. I'm going to be at the golf course entertaining clients. I'm going to be doing this. It's really important stuff, but there's never any visibility as a leader. Yeah, got it. The third one is vulnerability. And that kind of comes back into our accountability as leaders as how do we show out? Are we willing to say, hey, I made a mistake? Are we willing to show the fact that I'm not perfect? I've made mistakes. I've stepped in it before to talk about hard things. We want our teams to be able to say and talk about hard things. And the leaders that show themselves like in a facade that, hey, looking good, never doing anything wrong, not a hair out of place. That's a world that people can't model and they can't get behind anymore. And they're waiting for that person to fall. The one moment where it's like, oh, look at that. I caught you. And the hair is out of place. Like, wow. And if if we don't allow space for that with our teams trouble. Well, and one of the ways that I found that kind of thing manifests a lot is that, you know, especially in various, you know, kind of corporate structures, you know, I saw it throughout my career, my, my wife's seen it in her career is that what'll happen is it'll be either some kind of reorganization, or there'll be some kind of bad news. Everybody knows it's there. But basically what leadership does is they talk about presenting a unified front, which basically means there's bad news, we're going to sit on it and pretend that everything is okay, instead of just telling people what we know, and then letting them know, okay, hey, we're working on it, but this is where we're at. And because what ends up happening is any stability that you create ends up being artificial because whatever's going on is going to get out eventually. Yeah. And that was always at least the way I operated is that, you know, whenever there was any kind of bad news or any kind of news period, I just tell it to my team and say, hey, look, I'm going to tell you exactly what I know. I don't know what where we're going to go, but as soon as I know it, you'll know it. And yeah, I think that's huge. That to me, what you just described there is good transparency. I hear a lot of organizations and the team members say, wow, I don't think the leaders here are being transparent because we just found out about something that they didn't tell us. And we do have to recognize that leaders often know a lot more information than the rest of the team, right? They are entrusted to a lot of information. And sometimes there has to be a very timely feature to like, hey, some new information has come in. We do not want to disclose this to the team till we have a week to digest it, sit about it. And even if we don't have an answer at that point, there is that time where we have to go to our team and just let them know like, hey, we're pondering this. This is going on. We don't know what we're going to do yet. And we're okay with that. But we want you to know that this is happening. The, hey, let's keep it hidden is a real problem. And, And when I do feel like people find out information sometimes that's kind of outside their scope and they find and go, wow, I think I should have known about that. Well, sometimes that's true. And sometimes that, hey, we didn't feel like that was important for you to know right now. It's being managed by the team that's actually responsible for it. And we're trying to also make sure that we all are focusing on the things that we have to do. All of us have a role and responsibility here. And we want to make sure that we're managing our roles. And so sometimes people get hurt about that, but communication is really key in that, right? Got it. Yeah, I know. Completely agree. I mean, and I think that the thing that this is all really coming back to, to me is it comes back to that, putting your whole self into a leadership role and understanding that 
you know, because, right, you know, there's 15 boxes and, you know, we haven't even gotten to the last three yet, uh, right? You know, but there's a lot of boxes. You're never going to do all of them perfectly. But it's like, as long as you're continually pushing to improve both yourself and your team, that's the way that you're really going to get there. You know, Mm -hmm. it's when you have this kind of false pretentious front where you're trying to act like a bigger deal than you really are. I think that's where you, unfortunately, that's the kind of thing that's gotten people promoted in the past, but that's what ultimately ends up imploding organizations. Yes. I think a recognition and awareness is first. I think it's very fine and okay that you're not fabulous at all 15. And I'm not great at all 15. And so what I have to recognize is that I would like to be better at quality, but my Mm -hmm. life is fast. I do a lot of things very quickly at a high level. I'm considered more of the visionary in my company, which means the visionary gives up a lot of quality along the way. And I don't think that's by design, but I do think that happens. And if I don't recognize and make awareness of that, I have to know that I have Nissa. Brian and Tammy Jean on my team and they are responsible for quality because Trent cannot be, I'm the wrong person to be head of quality. It's not my best role. And so that does that mean I don't care about quality? Of course not. Does that mean that I don't know what quality looks like? Of course not. That means I have a role and I have this, but I have some people that I got to lift up. And if it's responsibility, I listen, Doug's on my team and, and he's charting our track and tracking our course of our tasks to make sure that as a leadership team, he's holding us responsible. And I charged him with that because quite frankly, I'm not going to do that as well as he does it. And I got to pick up an area as a team. We come together just like I may be picking up and letting you know, like, hey, I have permission from Doug. Like, hey, I get siloed sometimes and I go work it hard. And sometimes it may not, I may not come off as a guy who's ready to listen and be coachable. Yeah. Trent, you have permission to let me know like, hey, Doug, this is trying to give you a little help here. Are you willing to take a listen? Because I think this is a pretty good coachable moment. And you're like, oh, I gave him permission. That's right. Hey, this is really good. Let's grab coffee this afternoon for 15 minutes. I'd love to hear your idea. And all that is, is like, hey, I got to hear it. I've got my head down. I I need to look up for a minute. And I need to take that thing, hear from her team. And Trent just gave me a gentle reminder that, hey, I can do that sometimes. And it doesn't mean that you're never coachable. It just means that, hey, I I need sometimes I get locked in and I miss it sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. So as we look at these last three, the next two are really about the team. Got it. It's really about creativity and community are so important with your team. And so Mm -hmm. we need diversity. And, you know, I think where those shows up in a lot of different ways that shows up in we silo by education, we silo by geography. I hire people from the Midwest because I'm Midwestern. You know, we silo people by color. We silo people by male, female. We silo people by creative experience. We silo mm-hmm. people by their height. I see a lot of leaders who silo diversity by going, well, I want someone with my kind of experience and things like me. And I'm like thinking, that's crazy. Like we got to have, I always say like, hey, Doug, if you think just like me, one of us isn't needed here. And since I own the joint, it's probably you, right? Like, so that's not good for me because I need someone to look at this from a different lens, from their different educational experiences, from their different backgrounds. All those things that they bring yeah. to it is a total value add to a team. When you win mm-hmm. a world championship, yeah. you tend to win that with 25 players from probably nine to 12 different countries, five or six different languages, and all sorts of gambit of economic impact, socioeconomic impact, educational diversity and background from 
third grade education to doctor level student, right? Yeah. You've got all these things, but it has to come down with that other factor of this team, which is unity. How do we create unity as a team? And I see so many organizations that really don't create that theme of what our organization does that serves this community. What is our purpose? And how does my role and responsibility contribute to that? And that is so important that when you know, like we have the most fabulous yoga club and organization in the country. And our only goal here is to create peace of mind, understanding and stress relief for our clients. So it frees them up to be the efficient person they want to be. The person taking out the trash at the office should understand how them doing that creates that value for their end user. Because it allows people to do their job, to have a clean environment, to go to work and market this business, to sell what we're selling, to work and make decisions and ideas without walking in going, well, I guess everyone's got to wash the tables down because someone ate here yesterday. Like, no, no, no. We all have a role in what our organization serves and our purpose and how that happens. And I see a lot of organizations, Doug, that 50% of the organization doesn't even know the purpose. Yeah. I'm working because I'm an accountant and I do this. Like, Hey, do you know how your contribution serves your clients because you're so good at this? No, I have no idea. <laughs> like, that's crazy. How do we get unity out of that? I don't know. Yeah. But the place where I think that's actually, well, okay, so I'm going to make a comment on both fronts. Think on the diversity part, I like the way that, that you unpack that because there's a tendency to look at diversity in terms of, okay, well, I just need people who all look different. That way I check the diversity boxes. Yeah, right, right. And what you really need, diversity is really about people who think different because you don't get the benefits of diverse views if everybody thinks the same way. Yeah. And so it's really about diversity of thought pattern. And so I think if there's one thing to take away from this conversation, that's it. But anyway, secondly, moving on to the unity piece, the thing that I've noticed is that especially for job functions that are in the support tier, it's, you know, like if you're talking about accounting, finance, information, technology, facilities, right? You know, things that are, you know, like if you're talking about sales, that's pretty easy to connect to a specific thing that you're doing, right? If you're talking about operations fulfillment, that's pretty easy to connect. But when you're talking about these support roles, I think that's the easiest place to kind of fall into the unity abyss because they're, the support roles are really easy to forget about. And it's very hard to make a direct connection outside of, well, yes, you're doing accounting and it helps the company stay afloat. Yeah. Okay. What else? <laughs> what what yeah. else you got for me? Yeah. And the reality is, is that you don't have to dig so deep to realize how far that touches, yeah. right? Because if we didn't do this, I mean, I can do it if, if then statement, right. right? If the books weren't balanced, then we don't have the cars paid and we can't go out and service the clients, yeah. right? If this is done, then that, if this, then that, like you could look at like the five major roles that you're serving yeah. or the five major responsibilities that you're serving in your role. And you could tie an if then statement to that purpose almost every time. Got it. I think that's a kind of good thought to bring forward. Okay. So drum roll, the last item, the last pitfall for, well, and now it was expressed in the negative in the show title, just to be more provocative, but what we're really talking about is the 15 things that effective leaders should do, or, you know, the other way around would be to say the 15 potential traps you should avoid. So last one, please. Drum roll. Yeah. Right. So the, the final 
I mean, at the top of the pyramid sits what we all want, which is productivity. And we are measured on what we accomplish, what we've done, how well the organization does. And everyone has a KPI of what productivity looks like in your organization, how many clients we've served, how much money we make. I mean, there's all a bunch of easy KPIs that we can look at. But at the end of the day, productivity is going to be gauged on how well you do this together and create value. And I often look at pro sports teams are very good about good Mm -hmm. teams recognize that productivity is very high and what they've done very well at the professional level that most people don't see out of pro teams is that they are doing absolutely hyper learning at the 400 class level, because what's happening is, is you're taking the best in the world and you're putting them all there together. So the best in the world got there somehow. And so they've had all this coaching and experience and they've had some of the best. And so instead of going, well, we don't need to listen to Doug. But we'll listen to everybody else. Well, wait a minute. Like Doug got here too somehow. Who coached him at those level? What did he learn yeah. along the way? And then we take the best of all that. We start really wide and we go narrow, narrow, narrow. So we get a very clear purpose around how we're going to do that, right? And then our productivity just launches and it starts flywheel effect and it starts turning and it's just like, whoa, you can't stop this train. It's just moving at hyperspeed and... That's when you're really seeing the productivity level at the best. And when these 14 below, when you lose, every time you lose a cog in that chain, in that pyramid, and something drops out, especially on the foundation, right? You know, when you have no integrity and no humility in the organization, you're trying to build up the productivity. It never gets there because you can't build a house on a poor foundation, right? And this is the top of the house. This is the pinnacle is productivity. And it has to be built on these foundations of those 14. Well, and the reason why I like that construct is because, you know, I think there's a tendency for a lot of people, a lot of us, I'm going to say us because I fall into this trap too, to think of productivity as, okay, well, it's the work that you do. If you need to be more productive, just work harder or work longer hours. But that's actually not the case. Productivity is not the work you do. It is the, as I would say, sellable output that gets done. You know, as in like, if you're talking about a support role, it's the meaningful work output, or it is the revenue producing output that gets done. So what that means is anytime you have a miscommunication, that means everybody has to stop, stop what they're doing, reconnect, restart. That is a drag on productivity. Anytime that you have something that you have a project that goes back down one way, you have to stop, back up, do it over and do it right. We used to call that D-O-D-R, do over, do right. Every one of those is a drag on your productivity. And so what most people do is they don't take that into account in their mind. They think of their team's productivity as much higher than it actually is. Now, this isn't to bag on people and say, what's wrong with you? What it is, is to say that a lot of people think, okay, well, you know, we can't be any more productive. We're all maxed out. It's like, no, actually, you can probably be quite a bit more productive. Because the way that you become far more productive is by making sure that all those foundational elements are in place so that you don't have to go back and redo things constantly. That's right. Yeah. And I, I would say, you know, one of the things you talked about, like a, as a construct towards revenue, you know, yeah. I think a lot of productivity is in efficiency of savings, whether that's cost, whether that's time. time. Right? And one of the things that's a huge one, right? And so, where we lose a lot of productivity is in poor communication. And so all of a sudden yesterday, Doug and Trent both worked on the exact same thing to get to the end of this project from one to four when either one of us could have done it. 
right? Mm -hmm. But we just lost the value of Doug working three hours on something else or Trent working three hours on something else because they were both working on the same things because we just simply didn't communicate what, yeah. who was doing what and what our role and responsibility was. And that when, when organizations do not start up front with being very clear, I love Bill Belichick's uh -huh. statement. I know we'll have a great team when everybody on the team knows their role and their job and they're doing it. <laughs> like I know lots of people who know their job yeah, and, and they're, they're just not, they're only doing 70% of it or, you know, 62% yeah. of it. Like that's a huge gap in productivity. Right. Yeah. And then the other side of this is I walk into organizations every day where people don't know their job. And yeah. I see people still walk up to someone like yourself and go, Hey, Doug, I'm in my second year. What do you need me to do today? Like, wait a minute. <laughs> you come to Doug's office every day and ask him, what do you need to do today? Like, you have to know your role and responsibility because that lack of like, let me tell you what to do every day. There's probably some value on focus, but it is just inefficient all the time that people yeah. can't work autonomously on what they're supposed to be doing. Got it. All right. Well, hey, so we're getting close to time, but I'd like to get, give just a minute you know, to allocate for the last one or two thoughts before we sign off for the day and let everybody know your website one more time. Yeah, we're at leadershipity.com. Our aim is our athletic influencer marketing firm where we do a lot of NIL work for college athletes and influencers. That's at aim4nil.com, aim4nil. And you can find me on all the socials, Trent M. Clark or Leadershipity or aim4nil. And love to hear from you. So reach out to me, right. LinkedIn, big, big network there and love to hear from you. Outstanding. Hey, Trent, really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for having me, Doug. Hope the audience enjoyed that a little bit and got something out of it. All right. Hey, thanks for watching to the end of the video. There's just a couple of things that I need from you right now. Number one is I need you to subscribe. If you're not already a subscriber to the channel, please hit the subscribe button and turn notifications on. That way you will know every time I publish new content. Number two, comment, share your thoughts. I want to know what you did and didn't like. What should I make next? And number three, share this with your friends. Go on to Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, wherever you, uh, you hang out socially, and then post a link to this video and let people know what you liked about it and make sure to tag me. And then what I would also like to do is I would like to offer you the most incredible free gift ever. And this is related to my business where I help other businesses reduce their contract related costs. If you are a decision maker in a business, then I want to talk with you to see about how we can address your contract costs and drive savings. If you know somebody who is a business decision maker, then I would like you to help me get in contact with them. And in exchange, I am going to give you a absolutely free vacation at one of 30 places across the United States with no obligation and no timeshare pitch. Uh, the value of this, again, depending on how much savings we achieve, can literally be between thousands and millions. So anyway, just hit the button below for the most incredible free gift ever. Make sure to subscribe, share, and comment, and watch the next video because I'll be at you with more.